Well, we, we pray for um, our traditional service that's going on right now, Liz, Anthony, and the kids. It's Family Sunday in our traditional service, and so a lot of those folks are over there, and we're glad for them, and we'll be praying for them. And in just a few minutes, we'll do the scripture, but I, I want to share with you a story about a fella named Verdon. Where is this? Okay. Verdon. I got to get his name because it's a, it's a tough one. Smolovic. Smolovic. Verdon was known in the 90s and still is as a great celloist. He was a tremendous instrumentalist and his legacy continues. And in his homeland, he, w- he was saddened because when he would play in great music halls, he knew of the ethnic strife that was going on in former Yugoslavia, Bosnia, and in Sarajevo in 1992, he would practice the cello in his apartment, and when he would play, he could hear the bombs in the background. He, he could hear the whistle of a bullet near his apartment. And, and so he was saddened for his city, but what devastated him was there was a bread line, the only functioning bakery that was in his smaller community in Sarajevo. And there was a line of folks, and a mortar shell went into that line of folks, and 22 people died, and numbers of others were injured badly. And he was so saddened because his world was rocked, his country was in civil war, and he thought, I am not a soldier. I'm not a warrior. I am not a politician. I feel helpless. What difference can I make? Well, we are in a series entitled Unseen Things. And we've been talking about how how there is something natural that occurs in our lives, but something supernatural can occur in our lives that that while it may not be tangible it's real there's something beneath there's something underneath that's at work in this world and in our lives and we've talked a lot about worship and there's a mystery in worship and how when two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus something significant happens. Well, today I want us to continue in that series, and as we do that, I want us to recognize this, that there are some unseen things that are going on. In fact, we live in one world, but two realms. There is good, and there is evil. When you spell live backwards you get evil there is good and evil and we live in one world but we contend with spiritual elements we contend with a God who who loves us and who's given himself for us 
and we find strength in that, but we also recognize that we're in a spiritual battle. And, and Paul understood this. And he talks about going up against the strongholds, the evil one, a formidable foe, Satan. And he talks about destroying the strongholds of Satan, the evil one. And virtually any city or large town would have a fortress wall and they could see when they ascended that wall that there would be an enemy stronghold. And so I want you to envision today that you are in a battle, in a greater war that is raging. And while you may not see the bombs nor the bullets, you see the devastation. And I want you to envision in that antiquity, if you would, in, in, in a historic image of that wall and fiery arrows coming over the wall. And what it is that you're contending with as you do battle. And so there are some strongholds that we need to contend with. And first of all, we need to affirm that we're in a battle. Every one of us has entered this place battling something around us, battling something inside of us. Every one of us, all of us, are faced off with a battle. Maybe it's someone or something. We fight depression, we fight anxiety. We fight low self-esteem. We fight doubt. And while it may not be tangible, while these may be invisible elements, they are real. And this war is destroying individuals. And it's dividing families. In Ephesians, Paul says this, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers of this age. For we walk in the flesh. I'd like for us to look at the scripture this morning, but we deal with spiritual things. 2 Corinthians is our passage today, and you'll see it up here. Um, I think I got it off to you guys. Um, chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Now listen to this. Now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm absent. I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence which, which, with which I proposed to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now get this, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses 
or strongholds. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your disobedience is complete. And so, as we look at this spiritual battle, our recognition and affirmation today is that we're not battling in flesh and blood, but with spiritual principalities and entities. So if we acknowledge that we're in a spiritual battle and that it's unseen, we need to name the enemy. We've kind of already done that. There's a dark force at work. There is one that is not committed to good, but evil. This one would want nothing more than individuals confused and destroyed and humiliated and families divided and marriages torn apart. You can see the turmoil and the confusion that is sown into the lives of those around us. You can turn on the news and see the violence, the injustice, and the oppression. And you can see good being called evil and evil being called good. Peter writes, be alert of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Part of that comes through those fiery arrows that ascend over the wall. Maybe it's deceptive thinking. We say things like, in our minds, everything will be better if I simply walk away from this relationship where I've made vows. Or I owe so much money, why should I be conservative with my spending? It's a lost cause. Or I know it's an inappropriate website, but just a peek, it's not going to make that big a difference. It's only going to affect me. And we begin to be duped in this thinking, this deception. Or maybe we have some irrational thoughts, things like discouragement. I have failed at one thing, therefore I'm classified as a failure. Uh, I simply don't have what it takes. And so this, this stinking thinking becomes pervasive in our worldview. And the evil one uses it as a tool. We have unfounded fears, paranoia. We reach out into the future and we compose a story, a tragedy, with no foundation and no justification. We have anxiety and depression. And they're real. You know, I think about the biblical characters. One of the 
really cool things that somebody pointed out to me recently was they had no sense of the future. I mean, they knew that God was with them. And we know how the story unfolds because we have the text. But they went in with blind faith. Think about that. Abraham was told to go to a place. God said, I will show it to you. You do not know this place. And then I think about Noah and his crafting of this vessel. And yet, not knowing, would God be faithful in redeeming the world? Would he actually perish with all the rest? But so often we catastrophize. We know God's with us in the present, but we question, will he be with us in the future? And so God desires for us to have peace. The evil one would long for us to be caught in a paralysis of analysis. And so today, as we go to battle, there are a couple of things that I think are important. And one is getting to the root of the issue. In this battle, it may be like an iceberg. The, the incredible thing about an iceberg is you only see about 10 to 20% above the sea level. But it's that 80 and 90 that's the real issue. You see the bondage up top on the surface, but there's usually something down below. Is there a need for repentance? You know, when it comes to temptation, Satan plants a thought. That thought begins to grow and develop. And then Satan continues to move it forward until, until soon it becomes an actual sinful behavior. When it comes to irrational thoughts, it moves from a thought to a decision. And then from decisions to actions by which we live out our thoughts. And so getting to the root in this battle. One of the things that I've had to do and encourage others to do is a true or false test on these fiery arrows that come across the wall. These thoughts, these suggestions that come to mind. You're never going to amount to anything. That might be a thought. And you need to ask the question, is that from the heart of God or is that from the pit of hell? Or, I, I want to be better, but I'm not sure I ever will. Is that from the heart of God or the pit of hell? I'm not going to make it. And so you put a, you put a true or a false to it. And so often we have these false statements that are fired over the wall. And the scriptures tells us in Romans 12, 1 through 3, 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. And it goes on to say, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My prayer is that I will have the mind of Christ. And that when I move into a certain thought pattern, I ask the question, am I thinking with the mind of Christ? Am I behaving in a way that Christ desires? In Philippians, Paul talks about this battle that we contend with. And he says, you know, I think in some ways he's saying, don't focus so much on the negative thoughts but be captivated by the positive ones. He says this in Philippians 4, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, or praiseworthy, think on these things. If anything is worthy of praise, think on that which is right, which is noble, which is positive. And to pray. I really like what he says in the scripture we read that we would take every thought captive unto Christ. That we would seize every thought and make sure that it's of Christ. And if it is, act on it. If it's not, don't. Because as we're in this battle, there is a recognition for us that we know how this is going to play out. I love college basketball. In the school I graduated from, I love watching them. And sometimes when there's a church meeting going on at night, I will record the game, DVR it. That's a verb now, isn't it? And I'll DVR the game, and I'll walk in and... And I'll say to Delia, honey, I don't really, don't tell me what the score is. I don't want to know. I just want to enjoy how it unfolds. And I got to tell you, she's gotten better. Because a lot of times I'll walk in and she won't tell me anything. The first part of our marriage, uh, she'd say, okay, I'm not going to tell you the score, but I think you're going to like the way it ended. Okay. Oh, gave it away well here's the good news we know how the battle ends we know who claims victory in the war we're going to celebrate that again in just a couple of weeks that Christ overcame death and defeated sin and so we know that we're victorious what a blessing to live on this side of the resurrection 
What a blessing to live on this side of the cross. Because no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing in battle, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And God is going to be true to his word. So take comfort in that. If you're in battle today, say to yourself, I know how this comes out. And I'm going to be rescued. I will not be a prisoner of war, but a victor in battle. Well, Verdon felt helpless. He said, I'm not, I am not a warrior. I am not a politician. What can I do? How can I make a difference? And he thought, 22 have perished in this battle. Numerous others have been wounded. Well, when that line was hit with a mortar shell, it was May 22nd. 1992, 22 died. And so he said, I'm going to do what I can do in the face of all that's going on around me. And so there was a crater in the road. And he would take his cello every day at 4 o'clock for 22 days in memory of of each person that died. And he would step into that crater and he would take a deep breath and he'd begin to play. And people would gather around him. And while the mortar shells were sounding and smoke was rising, and you could hear the fire of gunshot, beautiful music was being played. And you see, for me, there's two things. One is, that's our story, that there is a safe place for us and that we can make a difference in that battle that we contend with in the face of an evil one. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The other is this. That's the church people's lives are being shattered, when hearts are being broken, when diagnoses change the course of somebody's future, it's like God has called us to be beautiful music. When there are injustices and there is poverty and there is hunger, God has called us to do what we can to make a difference while the war rages. Will you be one that plays beautiful music in the sound of war? Let's pray together. God, we thank you that even in the face of our helplessness, you are with us. 
and you've called us to do something significant. We get discouraged at times. We hear the war raging in the background. But we thank you that you're present with us and we can play beautiful music that offers hope and peace. Thank you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus, our great warrior, that we pray. Amen.